Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In case you have not heard, there is a very important election coming up on November Mm -hmm. 3rd of 2020. And we Mm -hmm. think it is very important that you are registered to vote, if you are eligible, that you actually vote either in person or by mail, and that you just know all of this information, you know your rights, all that. And that is why we would encourage you highly to check out vote.org. Yes, vote.org is amazing. Not only do they have a running countdown of days, hours, minutes, and seconds left until the election, they have resources for you to check your registration. So if you're not sure if you're registered, they can help you check and register if you can. You can find ways to register through this website. It takes less than two minutes to register to vote. They can help you with resources to vote by mail. If you can't or do not want to vote in person on election day, you can request your absentee ballot through vote.org. And you can get election reminders. They will remind you when and what you need to vote so that you never miss an election again. Yeah. And if you are too young to vote right this minute, but you will be 18 or older as of November 3rd, then you can pledge to register to vote. You can also go to vote.org to find a polling place locator. So you mm-hmm. it just it has a full list, state by state, all your polling places. You can become a poll worker if you really want to get involved mm-hmm. and help the rest of America vote. And that's a paid position. Mm-hmm. Get some extra money during these hard times. Yeah. And super important, almost as important as voting, is filling out the 2020 census. And so you can also do that from vote.org. And the census does not ask you about your immigration status. Correct. I filled mine out the other day. So Mm -hmm. did I. It's super important. Took two minutes. And vote.org also has all kinds of, you know, special COVID-19 election related information and also resources for the election protection hotline if anyone is trying to suppress your right to vote. So you can report that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So be a responsible citizen. Do your part. Check out vote.org for all of your voting and election needs. Treat your democracy. Treat Treat it. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesota accent. Yeah, it's there, people. Yeah. Um, She's real. She real. She thick. I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. Mm. And I'm Amanda. Mm. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you can watch a video of this episode uh, at our Patreon page. Every regular Thursday episode, we're going to try to make a video and post it there. And uh, from $1 a month on up. You have full access to all of our bonus content, including video episodes. Yep. Well, there you go. You can see my slept on hair, yep. makeupless face. Yeah. What yep. more could you want? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mama don't give a fuck. Mm-mm. I'm repping another podcast today. I'm wearing an Cute. ologies sweatshirt. 
We love ologies. We love Allie Ward. Go listen. I'm wearing my burning Minneapolis third precinct crop top. Did you get my message? Because I need you to make me one of those. Uh, yeah, I'll just order the I'll order the tea, and then I'll tie dye it for you. Yes. Yeah. You two and your tie dye. Well, gotta love it. We have a anyway. very special fan pick this week, brought to you by our fan picker Jess Stewart. Oh, Stewart. And um, <laughs> a lot of you are probably too young to remember that probably mm. deeply problematic skit. Oh, it was deeply problematic. <laughs> um, All of Mad TV was deeply yeah, problematic. It was a, not to excuse it, but it was a different time. Mm-hmm. And the word expectations. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so our topic is... Military murderers. Murder. And Jess is uh, a vitamin. And mm-hmm. uh, and herself a military murderer. Yes. Yes. Made Coming per- at us live from jail. Perchance. <laughs> that would be quite a twist, although this episode's been on the calendar for a while, so anything could have happened. Anything there's no, could there's have happened. There's literally no way to know in this scenario. Uh, last we heard, Jess was stationed in Italy, so. <laughs> Great. Should be fine. All right. So should we get right to our wine crime pairing for military murderers? Yes, let us. Though I am going to preemptively let everyone know that I am drinking a different Wink wine because this one didn't arrive in time for this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are pairing this week's episode with Wink's Declasse Red Blend. Oh, and I it's have perfect. that bottle here. It's so good. It's really good. It's good, and it's honestly perfect for this episode, especially in my case, where reporting was, like, mostly blacked out mm, from the military not to maybe cover up. Yeah, just classified, mm-hmm. not declassified. <laughs> um, but it's delicious. And if you are new here, our favorite, welcome and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, and you should try out trywink.com forward slash gals because it's an online wine club that delivers wine to your door and using that trywink.com forward slash gals landing page gets you $20 off your first box which is very easy to fill because Mm -hmm. these wines are so delicious they change them up seasonally and if you don't already have a wink subscription now is a great time to get one because a the holidays are coming Mm -hmm. and winter is gonna be upon us and you need to stock your wine fridge yeah Mm -hmm. it's fat bear season not yeah, weak. Exactly. And they just added a bunch of new names, styles, varietals to their website. So there's a whole lot more to check out. So put four or more bottles in your cart. They take care of the shipping. You can buy a la carte wines as well. Highly recommend a membership because you get member pricing. And then they also make cool recommendations based on like your buying habits. If there's stuff they think you might like. It's just mm-hmm. an awesome, awesome, awesome club to be a member of. Yeah. I love that they have an app. So at yeah. times like right now when I'm like, I haven't ordered my wine for the month. I could just Beep get on the app. Yeah. Get your wine. It's the best. <laughs> um, so yeah, one more time. Head to trywink.com forward slash gals. Get 20 bucks off your first box and just treat your whole life. Mm-hmm. So this red blend from mm-hmm. the Wink website. 
a declassified Bordeaux blend from a range of vineyards on the central coast of California. So declassified, quote unquote, wines are some of the wine world's biggest mysteries. So sometimes a high profile producer cannot use its vineyard name or appellation on some of its wine because of a particular area's wine laws, like every single state is different. So, for example... If the vineyard's yield exceeds the yearly allowance or the wine hasn't spent the required amount of time aging in, in a specific barrel, they'll oh. they'll classify that information. So as a result, the producer will set aside a certain portion of the wine, label it Saul's vineyard name or appellation, and sell that high-quality wine for below-market value. Oh, my God. It's like Casco. Yep. So yeah. in other words, they Overstock. declassify. Mm-hmm. Yep. They declassify the wine, and they named the series Déclassé, a French word meaning having having fallen in social status, which, accurate. We know Uh, what that means. Yep. For (laughs) two reasons. One, to pay pay tribute to the declassified (laughs) wines it represents, and two, because that's exactly how these wines are often wrongly perceived. So here's what we can tell you about. They're really Mm -hmm. good. Here's what we can tell you about this particular bottle it's a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, and Cab Franc. It has a trio. This is a trio of grapes that form the backbone of the world's great Bordeaux wines. And they're also grapes that featured the foundation of quality wine in California. This is a California red. And continue to be in the most prestigious wines that are made in the state. All the grapes are sourced from cool climate sites on the Central Coast, which provide great balance and complexity. And you'll find notes of dark fruit, herbs, and spice all wrapped up in silky tannins. Very silky. Mm. Can attest. So silky. So reminder to be buying, you know, Californian, Oregonian wines Mm -hmm. to support their infrastructure. Mm-hmm. An economy. I am actually, this bottle is a pop, the featured bottle, but I'm going to be cracking because I have a different Wink Wine, the Loves Me Not Rosé, that's been in my fridge, and I'm going to drink that mm-hmm. because I have it. And you, you want it. And I want it. Mm-hmm. Shall we crack? Crack mm-hmm. pop? Crack pop. Mm-hmm. I'm Here a we crack go. pop. Hard save. It's so wet. <laughs> oh, oh, that was laborious crack. Not a satisfying crack. Labor intensive crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has fallen in its social status. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Cheers, loves. Well, cheers. Cheers. All right. Lucy, mm. what is our background and maybe psych for military murderers? All right. So I'm going to deviate a little bit from my normal background in psych because I covered a lot of like military information in episode 56, which was God bless the vitamins. Mm hmm. Yeah. So today I want to talk about what the fuck is going on at Fort Hood. Yeah. Yes, please. So there is a lot to cover here. Um, Fort Hood is located in Killeen, Texas, uh, about halfway between Austin and Waco. So we must have driven like right past it when we oh, were. Yeah. Right. We did that drive. driving around Texas. Um, it is one of 10 U.S. Army bases named after a Confederate general. In this mm-hmm. case, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. In this case, John Bell Hood, a violent racist who died of yellow fever in 1879, leaving behind 10 orphaned and penniless children. Hmm. And that is probably the nicest cool. information that I have about this guy. There's a photo right. of him on the blog if you're interested. I think it's labeled 
John Bell Hood, comma, violent racist. Yeah, cool. Great. Cool guy. So I for some it. reason, 63 years later, somebody thought it was a great idea to name an army base after him. Oh, God. Why 19- do we do this? I, Why? Over it and makes over. no sense. No. It would be like naming army bases after Kim Jong-un. Yeah. Or after, like... We fought these people. Yeah. They're traitors. They lost. They lost. lost. Get over it. <laughs> you were on the wrong side of history and you're losing. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. So in 1942, construction began out of a need for a for wide open spaces, spaces. to test and train with World War II tank destroyers. To make a big mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As of 2014, Fort Hood listed over 45,000 assigned soldiers, um, around 65,000 including their family members, Mm. and 8,900 civilian employees at the base, which covers 214,000 acres. Whoa. Damn. It's so fucking big. And yet it is the 12th largest military base in the U.S. So it's not even close to the biggest one. Got it. Not by like a lot. Not even top 10. Cool. I think my, is Fort Bragg the biggest one? Mm, I don't know. Because I think in my case, we talk about Fort Bragg and I think it's. If it's not the the biggest, biggest it's uh, it's up there. It's bigger than Mm -hmm. Fort Hood, I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So given the size of the base and the surrounding city, it isn't surprising that there is criminal activity, but 2020 in particular has seen a lot more than statistically normal. So. Let's back up here a little bit. Or at least mm-hmm. uncovered more. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to it. Gotten more media attention than before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In 2007, uh, on June 12th, the body of Lawrence George Sprader Jr. was found at about 8.30 p.m. in the brushy area located within the Central Texas Army Post's training ground. He had gone missing for days while conducting an exercise for basic, uh, for testing basic map reading and navigation skills. A massive search had been conducted with over 3,000 parties scouring the countryside. According to autopsy records, he had died from hypothermia and dehydration. Mm -hmm. According to an Army investigatory report, there were, quote, a multitude of procedural violations, judgment errors, and alleged acts of misconduct by Army trainers that not only contributed to Sprader's death, but put some 300 other soldiers in danger that day, including about two dozen who required medical attention. So that two whole, dozen, yeah. So Great. oh shit, this may be the first indication in recent years that responsible oversight is lacking at Fort Hood. Yeah. yeah. Also, maybe you don't send out a bunch of trainees on map reading who haven't passed map reading yeah. without any way of being able to find them. I don't know the specifics of this particular. Uh, Tra- if it even was a training exercise, it just says an exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Either way, clearly something went very wrong because yeah. he fucking died. Ugh. So tragic. It gets worse. In 2009, on November 5th, a gunman who regarded himself as a Mujahideen waging jihad against the United States opened fire in the Soldier Readiness Center of Fort Hood and killed 13 people while wounding 32 others. The gunman, Nadal Malik Hassan, a U.S. Army major and psychiatrist, was shot and arrested. 
Hassan was convicted of 13 counts of premeditated murder and 32 counts of attempted premeditated murder for the 30 soldiers and two civilian police officers injured in the shooting. Oof. On August 23rd, 2013, Hassan was found guilty on all charges and was sentenced to death. He is currently incarcerated at Fort Leavenworth in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Wow. So jumping ahead to 2011, Killeen police arrested private first class Nasser Jason Abdo, who confessed to planning an attack on his fellow soldiers at Fort Hood. At his August 2012 trial, he stated, quote, I will continue until the day the dead are called to account for their deeds. Ooh, Abdo spoopy. was sentenced to life in prison for the plot. Yeah. So there are two plots within two years of each other that are extremist terrorism related. Yeah. 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 I don't know. This might not have been like a like a religious extremist. The mo- the more recent one, he might have just been unhinged in some mm-hmm. way. So in 2014, on April 2nd, a shooting spree occurred at several locations on the base, leaving three people dead and 16 others wounded. The gunman then died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was later identified as 34-year-old Ivan Lopez, an Iraq War veteran. So clearly people on this base are getting the mental health care that they need. Screening and care that they so desperately need. Yeah. Nothing to see here, Uh, folks. Isn't it obvious? Yeah. Yeah. In 2015, a a sexual assault prevention officer on the base, Sergeant First Class Gregory McQueen, was dishonorably discharged in March 2015, having been convicted of organizing a prostitution ring. He was a sexual assault prevention prevention officer. officer. Hide in plain sight, I guess. You can't make this shit up. I'm assuming he would prey on survivors who reported to him. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. That's horrifying. Great. 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 Yeah. So that brings us to 2020. So far, 28 soldiers stationed at Fort Hood have died. Five. Yeah. Five have been reported as homicides. And the others range from accidents, suicides, illness, and pending cases and that also uh, includes one who uh died in combat but that soldier was technically stationed, stationed at fort hood but i believe they died in iraq okay so this is from stripes.com oh i got so much of mine from stripes too i'm kind of a fan of stripes.com i might subscribe i might <laughs> probably not i stripes.com is my <laughs> new newspapers.com yes <laughs> I use newspapers.com for every case. I love it so much. I used it today. (laughs) Okay, quote, the numbers are high here. They are the highest in most cases for sexual assault, harassment, murders for our entire formation in the U.S. Army, says Army Secretary Ryan McCarthy when he visited Fort Hood in early August 2020. So it's the 12th largest base, but it has the highest cases of sexual assault, harassment, and murders. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah. The Army Public Affairs Office, it says this week, this was several weeks ago, released the numbers McCarthy cited that day, which compare Fort Hood's violent and nonviolent felony data from 2015 through 2019 to that of two installations of comparable size, Fort Bragg in North Carolina and Joint Base Lewis McCord in Washington. 
Mm-hmm. Fort Hood averaged 129 violent felonies committed by soldiers per year. Fort Bragg had an average of 90, and Lewis McCord had 109. Violent felonies include crimes such as homicide, violent sex crimes, kidnapping, robbery, and aggravated assault. And here is just a quick rundown of the most fucked up deaths. I deaths? feel like Deaths. Deaths. I feel like all of those numbers are too high. Like, shouldn't... I realize they most this is certainly a are big population of people, and they're you know there's a gender skew and there's a youth skew. It's not good, but still, the these people are supposed to be. I mean, they're supposed Trained to be our and, best, and yeah. they're yeah. supposed to be serving their country and their community and like sacrificing for other people and like good people. Yeah. Well, there's <sighs> and a strong, most are, but there's a strong. I mean, just because of the simple fact that it's a, a military base, there is a strong culture of machismo and you know violence mm-hmm. and rank and like just pretend you didn't see it. Mm-hmm. Kind of a you know yeah. A lot goes unreported and underreported, and then things just Rushed blow up, the and then we have a year like 2020 when whatever. Anyway, we'll. It's sad. Yeah. So here's. The more fucked up deaths from devs from 2020. (laughs) So here's again from our favorite stripes.com. On March 1st, specialist Shelby Jones, age 20, was shot and killed outside a strip club in Killeen. Though a redacted copy of the police investigation shows that 15 people were either involved in the incident or witness to it, a Bell County grand jury declined to indict the suspect on June 10th. The Mm. case had been, quote, exceptionally cleared, said Ophelia Miramontez, spokeswoman for the Colleen Police Department. This form of case clearance means that, this is so fucked, Uh means that elements beyond law enforcement's control have prevented the agency from arresting and formally charging the offender. The district attorney did not say why the case was declined. The army got involved. Mm -hmm. Whoever did it was untouchable. Right. Fifteen... People involved or witnessed. Yeah. That's... Oh, wow. A a 20-year-old soldier. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around any of this, which is probably why... That's just the first one, honey. Shot and killed. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Two weeks later, specialist Freddie Dela Cruz, age 23, and his pregnant girlfriend, Asia Klein, age 20, and Army veteran Shaquan Allred, age 23, I believe they all lived together... Mm. were shot and killed in their apartment. The cops found 17 shell casings in the apartment. Mm. Five months later, authorities arrested 21-year-old Bernard Linnell Morrow in Mississippi. And there is a picture on the drive of Freddie Dela Cruz. There's two pictures of him, actually, and there's one of him in, with Chuck Norris. Oh, he just looks like such a little honey, fun, cute little guy. Yeah. And they had a fourth roommate who was at work, happened to be at work um, when this shooting happened. And they haven't officially figured out the motivation for these murders. But um, it sounds like the most recent reports say that that fourth roommate who wasn't home said that the suspect, the the shooter, was Mm -hmm. going to come over and like smoke with uh, Mm -hmm. Shaquan Allred. Mm-hmm. And that they had kind of had some tiffs in the past that the murderer had just recently gotten uh, a gun 
and he was like trigger happy, just like not a good situation. Came over and fucking shot these people multiple times to death. Oh a lot. A pregnant woman. Yeah. Like yeah. a video game level of bullets. A lot. Yeah. Coincidentally, Shaquan Allred was playing a video game when the when the guy he broke into their home, mm-hmm. shot him while he was sitting on the couch. He still had the controller in his hand when the cops oh, showed up. Oh God! Wow. Oh, I'm sorry, I just had to refresh. And Freddie is so cute. Yeah. He's so adorable. Oh, Little peanut. On March 26th, 22 year old Michael Wardrobe was shot and killed by specialist Jovino Hamel Roy, supposedly mm-hmm. over a love triangle with Roy's wife. So there's another one. Michael Wardrobe. What a name. Wardrobe. I know. And on May 18th, uh, PFC. Private First Class. Okay. Thank you. Private First Class Brandon Rosencrans, age 27, was shot and killed in Harker Heights, a wealthier, quieter suburb just east of Colleen and Fort Hood. His body was found on the side of a residential road and his vehicle was found on fire a few miles away. A civilian, Brandon Olivares, age 28, was arrested and charged with Rosencrantz's murder in August. The two had a disagreement about the sale of a gun. And Olivares shot Rosencrantz as he slept in his Jeep Renegade, according to court documents. Cool. So these are all cases that I am confident that we as random civilians would not have heard of if it were not for Vanessa Guillen. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to talk about her now. Vanessa Guillen was born on September 30th. I know we share a birthday. Oh. And they Maybe. had a like a memorial yeah, uh, march for her this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, born on September 30th, 1999. Oh, my She's God. We're so, so young. We're so old. I know. I saw, sh- I saw her birthday, and I was like, well, that's a typo. No. <laughs> not, not a typo. No, yeah. she was, tw- she was tw- uh, 21. 20, not even. She was 20 mm-hmm. years old. Okay. So she was born in Houston to Rogelio and Gloria Guillen. She had five siblings. Growing up, she was soups into soccer and jogging. She was Super fucking smart. She was in the top 15% of her class. She joined the Army in June 2018 and trained as a small arms and artillery repairer. On April 22nd, 2020, Vanessa was seen in the parking lot of her unit around 1 p.m. She was not heard from again. Her phone, keys, ID cards, and other personal possessions were found in the armory where she worked. So, like, clearly something went wrong. She would not have left without the shit any that she needed of her to stuff. To get around, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. No. Her family was immediately concerned for her safety because even after just a few hours, they hadn't heard from her. They were like, right away, something is wrong. Right. So was she like on duty that day at that time and like left, the the theory is that she left the armory with none of her possessions? Or is the theory that she was living her life, you know, doing whatever around 1 p.m. that day was sighted and then... Later, someone took her belongings and put them Mm. in the armory. The theory at this point is that she entered the armory. You have to go. I I believe you have to go through some sort of checkpoint to actually get into the room where she was working on these firearms. Mm -hmm. That would make sense. Okay. So she left her shit at the at the desk. Okay. Okay. That's that's why all of her shit was in one place. She went into this room to do her job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she, the answer 
to your question is she was working that she day. was working she was working yep. so okay and then so then and then, so then she without left any of her, yep, without any without of her, her stuff, stuff without stopping okay which would be quite alarming that would be, yeah. I mean, imagine trying to just do anything without yeah. phone, ID, keys, wallet, right. mask nowadays. Yeah. Like, On a huge base. I mean, I'm assuming she- You need to have ID to get- Had a car. You need yeah. your ID to get fucking anywhere. anywhere. Yeah. You yeah. need keys. You need f- phone. I mean, it's just so, like permanently yeah. attached to my hand at this point. Mm-hmm. Something was wrong. Very wrong. And yep. her sister and her mother immediately knew something was wrong. She had recently told her mother that she was being sexually harassed by an unnamed sergeant who apparently had reports filed against him by other female soldiers, but nothing had been done about it. Of course. Vanessa's mother told her to report him, but Vanessa told her she could, quote, put a stop to it herself. Mm. And she didn't want her mother to get involved out of fear of retaliation. Sounds like Vanessa knew goddamn well that reporting this guy wasn't going to get anywhere. And worst case, she could be retaliated against professionally or personally. Mm -hmm. Fuck. So within days of her disappearance, Vanessa's family was at Fort Hood demanding answers. The army was not being transparent at all. And seemed sort of nonchalant about her disappearance. They were just like, well, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. we will get to some of the downplaying. Mm -hmm. Let the rage flow through you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this was April 22nd, the last day she was seen. Mm -hmm. On June 13th. Yep. Hundreds of people gathered outside the gates of Fort Hood to protest the lack of information. Mm -hmm. Because they still haven't said anything. Not even like, is she alive or dead? It's like, she's missing. Ish, kind of. They hadn't, as far as I could tell, had not even launched an honest investigation. They were just like, well, she's More gone. resources would have been devoted if she had been like, I'm going AWOL. Mm-hmm. Literally, the army would have done more to track her down. Also, that yep. guy who disappeared during the the navigation exercise, 3,000 people were out combing the countryside mm-hmm. and you can't search a fucking base When it's not their fault, Mm -hmm. there will be some sort of follow-up. It's a lot easier. Yeah, exactly. When they're not involved Mm -hmm. in covering it up, then then they'll devote time and energy and resources to finding someone and making sure that they're safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on June 30th, human remains were found about 20 miles from Fort Hood. Investigators reported a, quote, burn mound and thought that the remains had been buried under concrete, but that wildlife had dug them up. So the army says, of course we were looking for her. We we went, we combed through this area with dogs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Didn't see anything. Okay, prove it. I want to see right? reports. I want to see... The dogs? The do- yeah, exactly. I want to know Show what- me the dogs. Show, Show me, me the, the fucking dogs. dogs. <laughs> okay. What is this? Homeward bound? Yeah. Show Shadow. me the dogs. <laughs> what are they in a pit? Yeah. What Get the- them out of that pit. Show me the dogs. <laughs> what what days did you search? Yeah. Who searched? Had yep. this been a missing dog, they probably would have yeah, found honestly. the dog sooner. Yeah. That's a valuable asset. Ugh. Ugh. So I like they- this poor woman. Yeah. So they're, they're saying that, yes, we searched this area. We didn't see anything. Wildlife must have dug it up between the time we searched and the time the remains were actually discovered. Yes, because oh, wildlife sure. so frequently digs up concrete. I know. Right, right. Whatever. 
They re-interviewed 22-year-old Cecily Aguilar, 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 mm-hmm. Aguilera, who is the estranged wife of a different soldier, but the girlfriend of um, Aaron, specialist Aaron Robinson, mm-hmm. age 20. Um, I also read that she was Robinson's estranged wife, but I think that was just, I don't think that was right, but, but there's a little muddiness in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a photo on the drive of... Cecily? Cecily Aguilera. She confessed that Robinson had told her about a female soldier's death. So the authorities tapped her phone and she called Robinson to tell him, quote, baby, they found pieces and texted (gasps) him the news stories about it. His his cash response was enough for authorities to attempt an arrest the following morning as the authorities moved in on him. Uh, he was in Colleen. He shot himself and died. Baby, they found pieces. Yeah. So on this was on July Ooh. 1st. He died by suicide. The next day, officials charged 22-year-old Cecily Aguilera with one count of conspiracy to tamper with evidence, which is a, all they could prove at that point. Obviously, it was more than that. So Robinson Army of- is the one that was... Sexually harassing Vanessa. I mm-hmm. I think so. Don't know that for sure, but probably. So okay. here's what happened on July 6th. The army confirms that the remains were f- the remains found were those of Vanessa Guillen. Mm-hmm. The official story is that Vanessa was ugh, trigger warning bludgeoned with a hammer inside the armory by mm-hmm. Robinson. He then stuffed her body inside a pelican trunk, which there's a photo on the drive, which will mm-hmm. be on the blog of what that is. It's mm-hmm. just a big plastic industrial heavy duty. Yeah. Basically what we used to use to like transport equipment on tour. Yep. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. It's like. We, we've been seen. It's yeah. bigger than the biggest. Trunks. We, oh, a thousand percent. It's I bigger than the biggest room. away suitcase too. It's big. It's, it's And they're extremely heavy. They're mm-hmm. very heavy. So he stuffed her in there and then cleaned up the blood there. The report said that there was just a, a lot of fucking blood. He hit her in the head with a yeah. hammer. There was and blood fucking everywhere. from doing the show for three plus years that head wounds bleed a lot. The staircase. So she wasn't yeah. seen leaving the armory. Is that right? Correct. She was in a box. Okay, so her so she was seen in the parking lot at 1 p.m. and then went to work. She was in the parking lot going into the building where the armory is. So she was seen alive entering going work. to work. Yep. And that's why she didn't she, so it wasn't like she left without her stuff. Her she stuff was still there was because dead. Got she it. never left alive. Okay, got it. I'm a little slow on the uptake today. I need a little more That's coffee. That's okay. We it's got also this. kind of like I've this story, I just heard little blurbs over the last several months. It was all yeah. very piecemeal. So writing this out in this timeline kind of was the first time I really understood like exactly what the fuck happened. Same. Yeah. yeah I had yeah. only read little, you know, yeah. snippets. Yep. This mm-hmm. story has been all over the place. And uh, it makes sense because civilians and the media are just trying to piece together this completely incomplete puzzle mm-hmm. with these little scraps mm-hmm. that the military are providing or that this that Fort Hood is providing. Mm-hmm. It's really rough. Yeah. So, of mm-hmm. course, we don't fucking know what's going on, and that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Witnesses observed Robinson outside 
presumably out, well, yeah, outside of the armory, quote, struggling with a tough box. So he was like, it was really heavy. Yeah. Yeah, because it had a person in it. Yeah. And presumably a hammer and whatever he had to use to clean that shit up, uh, all that stuff. So he then enlisted uh, his girlfriend to help him cut up the body using machetes. They attempted to burn her, but as we all know, easier said than done. So they ended up just burying her under that concrete. no. Stop thinking you can burn a body. You can't. Also, stop helping your... Your shitty boyfriend. Yes. Just... And, like, stop murdering. Yeah. Also, obviously stop murdering. But, like... Exactly. Don't oh, fucking stop help. Like yeah. I would help each of you hide a body because I, I wouldn't <laughs> help Bill. Genu- no, I wouldn't help Bill. No, I would help Zach. I guess it depends. Not if it was some woman he was sexually harassing. Uh, I don't know. I'm only gonna help Bill if I'm on board with who's getting murdered. Yeah. Well, yeah. He with you two, I'm not gonna ask questions. Exactly. Robinson was. Robinson was 20. Cecily's 22. They're young and fucking stupid, clearly. Yeah, but like he's not a good guy if he's murdering. No, he's a piece of garbage. Mm -hmm. I can't. Trash. Okay. On July 10th, the army announced an independent investigation in Guillen's death. Guillen's death, sorry. According to a letter sent by the investigating subcommittees, they will seek to find whether recent deaths, quote, may be symptomatic of underlying leadership, discipline, and more moral morale deficiencies throughout the chain of command. I don't know why I can't read today. It's <laughs> reading is really hard. Mor- I, morals. I'll, devs. I don't think that all these devs are a moral issue or no. a morale issue. They might be a they moral issue. They are a moral issue. issue. They're a, well, yeah. <laughs> Morale, not so much. They might be contributing to the it's morale a low issue. Morale. Good. Lord. <laughs> Maybe we need to get what Bob Newhart, Bob Hope, right? Who, do, who does the shows? Probably Hope. Probably Bob Hope. <laughs> There's no way to know. Morale is really low. There have been a lot of suspicious devs. My morale so many devs. is low. <laughs> okay. The letter said that according to Army data, there was an average of 129 felonies committed annually at Fort Hood between 2014 and 2019, including cases of homicide, sexual assault, kidnapping, robbery, and aggravated assault. Cool, cool, cool. The members of Congress cited the deaths of specialists. Oh, she was promoted posthumously to a, to a specialist. That's good. I forgot what she was before then. A step below. Probably specialist a Vanessa- class. Yeah, to Vanessa Guillen, who, according to federal officials, was bludgeoned to death at the Texas base in April by a fellow soldier, and Private Gregory Morales, whose remains were found in June while searching for Guillen. So he was the guy, he, was he the guy who got lost in the training exercise? They yes, found him so. while they were searching for Vanessa, or they're just saying that? They did find remains of somebody while they were searching for Vanessa. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it was the same dude. No. uh, Lawrence Sprader was the guy who went missing. But they found the Mm -hmm. remains of a separate guy while they were looking for Vanessa. God. Okay. Okay. 
Hard Yet to another keep detail. Track I'm just of, like, what the fuck? What am I even? What am I? What, where's yeah. the tra- Right? All of it's these all over people. the place. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Morales was reported missing in August 2019. The letter commits to seek justice on behalf of soldiers and families, quote, who may have been failed by a military system and culture that was ultimately responsible for their care and protection. Bingo. In early September 2020, a bipartisan group of legislators introduced the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act that would, among other things, create a confidential reporting system for sexual harassment in the military. Yeah. Confidential. Mm -hmm. You can't investigate yourself. Like it should, it can't be internal and it also can't be involved in the chain of command. No. Like it has to be a third party. Yep. A completely like. Unbiased, privatized, third-party system. Mm -hmm. So although the violence at Fort Hood isn't exactly an anomaly, like statistically, credit is definitely due to Vanessa's family for raising hell about their daughter's disappearance Mm -hmm. because that is the only reason why all of this is making news now and the reason why there is finally some congressional action being taken. Mm -hmm. It is not just about Vanessa and her case is not an isolated incident. It is well past time that the military is held responsible for its culture of secrecy, violence, and toxic leadership, especially when it comes at the cost of young men and women who are earnestly trying to make a life and serve their country. Yeah. Yep. Amen. Yup. So that is yep. my... Hey, I had a case this this week. Yeah. Wow. You did have a case. And it gave well, me heartburn, and I need to go grab Tums. So perfect yeah. moment for... Okay. A quick word from our sponsors. Let's do it. Is there anything worse than a mild clothing annoyance that just gets worse and worse and ruins your whole day slash week slash month slash maybe year? (laughs) I'm thinking of when you get like a snag in your leggings Mm -hmm. and it catches on everything once it starts and then it just gets worse and worse, you know? Yeah, or like those sweaters that have like you know, they're like a chunky knit, but if one of those threads comes uh, loose, there's no going back. That's, I know. Oh, yeah. Nothing can ruin a chunky knit like that. Mm-hmm. So to perform at your best, you need to feel your best from head to toe. And Features has solely focused on engineering innovative, high-performance socks for almost 20 years. That is focus, you guys. Mm-hmm. They've created a sock with a custom-like fit to prevent the issues that conventional socks annoy you with. So no more bunching, slipping, friction, blisters. Yeah. Yeah. Or like if that seam and the toe is like a little too much. Oh, yeah. If there's a little too much seam so the toe is bulky or if it... Mm -hmm. I've got rather large feet. So when the those little socks, those no-shows don't fully really get around the back of your heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't show, but you feel it. But they don't day. stick. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah. Uh, features also offers multiple cushion levels from ultralight to max cushioning for unsurpassed performance. And, you know, you need different cushion levels for different activities. Yeah. Even if your main activity is just hanging around the house, which, mm-hmm. like, who isn't? Mm-hmm. I love the Max Cushion socks just because I like a I like a tight sock fit. I like it to hug my foot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that Max Cushioning, oh, mm-hmm. oh, 
Mm-hmm. It's just really nice. They are just much, they're noticeably more comfortable than conventional socks. Mm-hmm. Features are engineered to help you achieve your best every day, whether you're working out or on the go, or like I said, just kind of hanging out. Just padding around the house. Padding around. Targeted compression acts like a hug around the arch of your foot, keeping that sock in place and preventing it from bunching, slipping, or sliding down into your shoe or your cute fall boot. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cute fall boots, I feel, you need like specific socks. Yeah. To wear with them. Definitely. And features, they, they got them. The anatomical design conforms to the left and right shape of the foot. There is a left and a right sock. Genius. Yeah. Creating a custom-like fit that keeps the sock in place so you can focus on your workout or like, you know, your lounging. Mm-hmm. So you can work out harder, recover faster, get stronger, run faster, and look great doing it and feel great doing it. Yeah. If that's something you do. Also, (laughs) CY Features has quickly become the number one running sock in America. So for listeners of Wine and Crime, you can receive $10 off your first pair of features by going to features.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's $10 off your first pair when you go to F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S dot com forward slash gals. Again, that's features dot com forward slash gals for $10 off your first pair of features. Treat your feet. Treat them. My case. So once again, we have a fan pick case that is so horrifically brutal that I almost couldn't bring myself to write it. Dang. So thanks. You have a Jess. high threshold. Y'all are fucked up. Yeah. This People can- think we're fucked up and like we are fucked up, but y'all yeah. are way more, more fucked, fucked yeah. up. Yeah. Way more fucked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just be prepared for that. And Great. Um, I'm already clutching my teddy bear, my transitional yeah. object. Yep. Where's my transitional object? It's Ray, and he's lurking somewhere. I'm just going to sleeping. grab my sweater. Good so, idea. Um, also, my candle. <laughs> the fan picker Don't has, grab your candle. <laughs> the fan picker has a kind of tangential link to the perpetrator, so that's part of why they picked this case. Oof. It was Jess. <laughs> no. 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 Let's not bring Jess into this, even though I literally just did. So, (laughs) even though it's literally all their fault, (laughs) even though I've accused them multiple times. Mm -hmm. Okay, Levi Austin Goss, who I accidentally call Gross in my mind every single time. So, I might call him Gross accidentally, but you will see why. And it's give us the hot Gross. gross. Yeah, hot Goss. Yeah, but not hot. Was raised in Nederland, Texas, which is in the Port Arthur area. So another Texas. That's case. the place that the frozen dead guy. Oh wait, no, that's Colorado. Nederland, Colorado. No, and my case is also in Texas. Oh my god! Yeah, so was mine. Mm-hmm. Texas, Texas. All right. Well, a it lot of shit together, happens Texas. around Fort Hood. So when you Google military murder, well, this is not related to Fort Hood, actually. Okay, but but it's I mean, Texas. He grew up in Texas. Don't mess and with it. Texas is also like insanely huge, so True. a lot of things happen there. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find much reporting about his childhood or his family. It looks like his parents are still married. His childhood appeared to have been like 
working class, mid- lower middle class, I would say. Sure. But that's kind of all I could really discern. After graduating high school, Goss enrolled in the Lamar Institute of Technology in Beaumont, Texas, and he graduated with a two-year technical degree, although couldn't find out which degree program he did, but it's a technical college, in December 2014. So that means he was enrolled from roughly late 2012 through December 2014, and that's important. Okay. From what I could glean from his social media, Goss was really into wearing camo, Chick-fil-A. Oh, no. Taking selfies with guns. No. And using the hashtag AllAmerican. Did you make up the Chick-fil-A part? Nope. He is in several photos slamming Just straight chick- up eating Chick-fil-A? Sl- slamming a chick- something out of a Chick-fil-A, like, glass. Ish. Yeah. Cup. Ugh. Cup. <laughs> um, it's, just, like, it's just a big gulp of gravy with that, like, <laughs> extra thick, like, bubble tea straw so you can get all the meat chunks sucking up. Sucking up chicken nuggets out of it. <laughs> 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 I'm upset. <laughs> That's I'm how upset. I feel about bubble tea. I fucking hate bubble yeah, tea. Yeah, not into bubble, bubble tea, tea personally, but not a witch. But I want to chew my beverages. Ugh. God. Oh my god. Okay. Um, there are some photos. <laughs> there are photos on the drive <laughs> from his social media, which Chick-fil-A. has all yeah, which has all been oh. like locked the fuck down. But you can see. Oh yeah, he looks horrible. So the caption of one pic reads, "Quote." Pistol grip pump on my lap at all times. Whatever that means. Something about a gun. I'm jacking off all the time. Yeah, that's what it sounded like, right? I don't know if he Mm. meant it to be sexual sounding, but it's not. It sounds like I masturbate all the time. (laughs) There was some. Gun. Plus gun. There was some like Netflix movie and Vince Vaughn was in it about like a heist. It's like the it's like the purge, but like. High school, high schoolers using drugs. Did you guys watch that? No. no. Oh, okay. Well, there's <laughs> a part. There's a part where these two like super come off as very straight bro like mm-hmm. football players. That like some girl tries to kiss one of them, and she's like, "Back off! My boyfriend's right here." And he's like, points to this other like football player guy, and they're like. Dude's got a sick grip and just give each other this big <laughs> high five. <laughs> it was really oh, funny. Oh, Lord. I love it. Pistol grip pump. No. Yeah. No pistol grip pump. <laughs> Hashtag all American. Okay. So from all this information, I am sure that you will be shocked to hear that in 2016, Levi enlisted in the army. And normally, God bless the vitamins. Yeah. But not this fucking dude. Nope. So he ended up serving as a parachute rigger and paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. His duties, therefore, included what you'd expect, mainly preparing and maintaining supplies and equipment for airdrops. So basically, his fellow soldiers' lives were in his hands literally every right. single day, even I like it. when not in combat. In his pistol grip. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Their lives were in his pistol pump grip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That will be a very chilling thought once you hear what this dude is capable of. The fact that, like, he's the one packing people's parachutes to save their lives. 
So I don't know where he completed basic, but at this point in the story, Goss was stationed at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, which I read was the largest military base in the world. I could be wrong. I'll Google it. He's in his early 20s at this point. He is a private first class, so one step above a private. And in December 2017, Goss is arrested for a DUI. So already cool. And becomes a suspect in a sexual assault case that took place at the Fort Bragg base. And was all right. Now you lost me. I hate him. So Fort Bragg is actually smaller than Fort Hood. Oh. Size wise. Oh, wait. No, that's yeah, that's true. It's that it's number 14 on the list of like by acreage. So there must be different ways to measure it then. Maybe it turns out the largest like volume of trainees. Well, it might have the most soldiers stationed there. Right. That doesn't mean it's the biggest. Because mm-hmm. Fort right. Hood is only so big because they needed to like test the tanks or whatever the right. fuck. So largest by population then. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because the largest, largest is White Sands Missile Range in New Mexico at three and a half million acres. Area 51 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, whatever. Yeah. That's in Nevada, but yeah. Fort Bragg, lots of people, same. lots of military, big base. Huge. Much military. <laughs> so, he, again, he's arrested for a DUI and becomes a suspect in a sexual assault case. And that sexual assault case took place at the base. Okay. And was therefore being investigated by the Department of Defense, not the civilian police. Yep. So obviously there's no hope of a resolution there. Um, I mean, not that it's going to go super well either way. Right, right. (laughs) Sexual assaults or rape. No one is actually helping. Yeah. But we will get to it. So there's almost no public information about this sexual assault case, except to say that the evidence probably isn't strong enough to bring charges against him for that. But his arrest... Uh, and the investigation means that Goss was swabbed for DNA. Oh, good. And this Ooh. was uploaded into the national database CODIS. Good, My good, favorite good, good, good. database. Yeah, the best. And you love databases. I do. And there's a hit. Goss's DNA matches evidence collected in a brutal 2013 rape and attempted murder back in Harris County, Texas. Holy shit. Oh. So this is what happened in 2013. The night of February 5th, 2013, shortly before midnight, some folks exited the Cinemark Cypress movie theater and were dismayed to discover a teenage girl completely nude, wandering disoriented around the parking lot. Oh, honey. Actually, at first, some witnesses believed the girl to be wearing a red dress. But actually, she was just drenched in blood. Holy shit. I had a pair of red boots once. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, that's so gross. That's a quote, people. Lucy's not just off her rocker. Oh, no. It's a quote from a horror movie, and that was by far the most disturbing part. So the victim, who was 16... At the time. Oh, God, no. And so her name has not been made public, had suffered a several, actually, serious head wounds and had lost a great deal of blood. 
obviously. Mm-hmm. The head bleeds, y'all. Yeah. Like a lot. But that lot. wasn't the full extent of her ordeal. Clearly in shock and dazed, the high schooler was flown by emergency medical helicopter to a Houston hospital. Initially, she was in critical condition. I mean, her injuries were life-threatening. Substantial. Yeah. Yeah. But miraculously, her condition stabilized, and she did survive to describe her attack and attacker in Uh, detail. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Queen. Thank God. Sweet queen. Head injuries. There's a huge risk that she wouldn't have been able to remember anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, TBI is nothing And just the shock of it all. Yeah. Because it was so unexpected. Well, and even not, even all of that withstanding, just the bravery it takes to then go through all of the steps to identify Mm -hmm. and and file that report Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. So... Earlier that evening, after an argument with her foster mother, just like any would happen with any teen. I mean, think about how many yeah. fucking fights you got in with your parents and then stormed off. Mm-hmm. Plenty. The teen left the house around 11 p.m. and was walking along Spring Cypress Road near her local high school. Um, doesn't sound like she was necessarily going to meet anyone, but she just like got out, out of the house. She was cooling off. Yeah. When I used to do that, my mom would send my dad to drive around and find me. Yeah, because your mom (laughs) is not fucking around and your mom. I mean, not I'm not blaming any parent like this is the this is every parent's worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. This is teens. If you're listening, first of all, you shouldn't be. And second of all, (laughs) go to bed and do your homework. (laughs) Put on your footy pajamas. Mm -hmm. Um, This story is why your parents get so freaked out when you mm-hmm. leave the house or when you don't answer your phone and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they, this, this is what's running through their mind. My mom did not give me nearly as much slack. I never had the balls to actually leave my house when I got into a fight. I think I did it to a be couple fair, times. But. My mom sent my dad to go find me because she was like, I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> she wants to wander around in the cold because she's mad that I said she had to do something. Mm-hmm. That's her prerogative. Yeah. And my dad's anxiety was like, well, I'm going to go look for her. Yeah. I would go outside <laughs> yeah. and shovel snow when I was really pissed off. Just oh, to like, you really showed her. <laughs> she probably did it on purpose. Yes, to get you to shovel. But it was such a good, like, oh, shoveling snow is such Rage a good. Rage shoveling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Especially if there's some ice underneath, you just. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Minnesotan. Yeah. Back to uh, horrific murders. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, this attack is just so fucking horrific. So this is what happened. She pissed off at her parents, teenager, 16, walks out. It's not that late. It's 11 p.m. Yeah. Walks outside. In an area that she knows well, it's near her high school. Out of nowhere, a man wearing a, quote, ninja mask. So I'm guessing a ski mask. Right. Or, yeah, what are are those called? Not baklava, balaclava or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The one that's not a dessert. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Appeared behind her and hit her over the head with the blunt side of a hatchet. Nope. 
He had no way of knowing she'd be out walking around. No, he was just free near a high school waiting, waiting for a stray. Yeah. Oh, a stray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I oh. mean, but that's what he was doing. Yeah. I know it's gross. Probably did it often. Oh yeah. The blow obviously knocked her to the ground. Meanwhile, the attacker loses no time, grabs the bewildered girl, and drags her on the ground into the wooded area off the road. Ew, Amanda, this reminds me of that path behind your house that went to the football field. Yeah. Yes. This this is where I'm picturing this happening. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, he forced her to strip naked and raped her, and then he made her stand up after the rape. And he again bludgeoned her with the hatchet in the back of the head. Jesus Christ. She fell to the ground. And then this amazing queen Mm -hmm. had the wherewithal to play dead Mm -hmm. while her attacker stood over her for several minutes. I can't. That's so funny. Fucking gross. And you'd have to like be holding your breath basically that whole time. You'd have to be holding your breath, not moving. You can't look up to see if he's gone. Nope. You just have to, the patience and the the wherewithal, like I said, required is incredible. Mm -hmm. She's 16. Not to mention like this guy didn't check for a pulse. Well, I don't. Well, maybe he didn't want to leave finger. I'm not sure. He just stood, stood over there. I mean, he was yeah. probably part of his fantasy because, like we know, rape is not about right. sex; it's about control, power, and control. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the best part for him. Totally. And like every single one of her senses was telling her to get the fuck out of there. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Several minutes just stood over her watching her and then finally either believing her to be dead or knowing that she soon would be because she was bleeding severely from these injuries. He dipped. He fled on foot from the scene. Then somehow she manages to stand up and walk a half mile to the movie theater to get help. That... uh, She reminds me of the woman that I think I covered her in the history of Mary Catherine. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had her arms fucking cut off yeah. and, and walked climbed like, up a hill. Yes. Out of a ditch and she walked like, like climbed three out miles. of a canyon with no arms. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, the will to ride mm-hmm. is a hell of a drug. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So a half mile. I mean, Let's. so. A few witnesses that night would later describe seeing a man with bloody knuckles that night at a nearby grocery store. Mm-hmm. The witness said, quote, not overly bloody, but you could tell he'd been in a scuffle. So Something he, happened. So, a yeah. kerfuffle. A kerfuffle. So I can kind of see why those witnesses didn't report that. Sure. You know, if well, otherwise. Well, working at a gas station, you probably see some shit. Oh, well, mm-hmm. we will get we will get to the gas stations. Yeah. So an employee at a nearby gas station also reported seeing a man wearing a blood-stained gray shirt mm-hmm. go into the restroom and then emerge wearing a clean white muscle shirt. Mm-hmm. What well, what used to be called something else. 
Um, and quote, the gas station employee found the gray shirt drenched in blood inside the bathroom trash can, court records show. Mm-hmm. But the man had explained that he'd, quote, been in a fight, and so the employee didn't question it. Sure. Clearly, someone got fucked up. Right. Yeah, but, uh, you know. Even if it was a fight, though, I'd, I'd probably question it, but I don't know. Yeah. I would keep an eye on news reports. Sure. Right. And it sounds like that is what these people did, I okay. think. So they didn't, like, call the police in that moment. But mm-hmm. then when news of this horrible attack came out, I think very soon thereafter, possibly the next day. Yep. Then they, I think, got in touch with police and were like, hey, we I saw, saw this. Yeah. And also the employee... Or at somehow the shirt, the gray shirt at the gas station was retained. Sure. So the police had it as evidence. They dug it out of the trash. Yeah. Good for them. And yet another witness noticed a, quote, sweaty man in the area, but had assumed. (laughs) I'm going to start reporting every sweaty man I see. You're going to really tie up the phone lines. I don't care. I saw a really, I'll get, if we have time. I will get to it about this sketch ball that we saw yesterday after we had finished recording this. And then I was already like keyed up. And then I took the dog for a walk and there was this absolute sketch ball in the park. And I was like, (laughs) sweaty man. So anyway, witness saw this sweaty man in the area, but had assumed, and this again was prior to learning of the rape, that this guy had just finished working out because there was a nearby fitness center that was open 24 hours. Still grounds for If you're working out to the point of sweating, being like noticeably <laughs> that's, working, that's working out, I think. So so I've been told. I'm not here for that. Uh, for you to be as like soon, as soon as I start to get a little damp, I'm I'm done. I feel like this is more it's like memorably sweaty. This drenched man. Well, I think because it was between 11 p.m. and midnight, mm. I think seeing a sweaty it guy, out even more. It, sta- it stood out. But again, not to the point where they would call the police, mm-hmm. but to the point where they'd be like, I'm huh, logging this weird. away. He probably just came from the fitness center. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But they still noticed it. So noticed it still it. counts. For her part, the victim, quote, described the man who ambushed her as a white male in his early 20s who was thin, muscular, and between 5 foot 7 and 5 foot 10 inches tall, and he wore dark colored clothing, Mm -hmm. which is a pretty straight description. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. a good description considering that she was attacked from behind. From behind, yeah, and immediately in the dark. He's wearing a mask. right. And she was smacked on the head repeatedly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He must have removed his mask at some point during the attack because she was able to describe his face Mm. in detail and they were able to create a composite sketch, which we will get to. Ooh. Um, So Levi Austin Goss is a white male in his early 20s. At the time, he was 19. Thin but muscular. Of average height. He would definitely be considered, um, I would say, conventionally attractive and like mm-hmm. almost a pretty boy. If you want to go look at photos on the drive, and yeah. these would be on the blog. Like we could have gone to high school with this corn fed blonde baby. Mm-hmm. 
Well, he has sort of dark hair, doesn't he? He has brown hair, I think. Yeah, it looks like dishwater in some of these photos, but yeah. He also has a mole that like literally looks like an old-timey beauty mark. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he could be, he could land like a really D-list acting role. Yeah, Like a really boring modeling gig for like Old Navy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, He's definitely going to get like some really fucked up wackadoo fan letters in prison. Probably. I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So he has a defined jawline. He has ice blue slash gray eyes. There's also a like a coldness to his eyes. Mm-hmm. They're really he looks intense. like a proud boy. He, he does. does look like a proud boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and also like detached. Like mm-hmm. there's yeah. uh, there's one photo of him specifically. Do you know what I'm saying? In the orange jumpsuit. There's that one, and then there's another one where he's like dressed up for something. Oh yeah. He looks like he's about to kill me through the screen. Right? I, I, I don't, don't know like if he that. was like going to prom or what the deal was, but it's like a little bit of an American psycho vibe. Yeah. Because he's in a tux. Yeah. He doesn't look well. He he looks terrifying. He looks yeah. frightening. He looks he's angry. Scary. Yeah. Um, so after the 2013 attack, investigators released like I said, a rather good composite sketch of the perpetrator. So do you see the sketch and him side by side? Oh. Yeah. It's a good sketch. Um, But they didn't have any suspects. So they had this great description. They had some witnesses and they had DNA. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have suspects. The sketch is like pretty spot on. I got to be honest. How do you see the sketch? Although how do you miss the mole? You have to really you have to double click the photo, otherwise it's just like a tilted photo of him with his mole in like a green shirt. Of him and then when with you his open mole. it <laughs> it's him <laughs> posing with his mole in a green oh, shirt. And then I when you it. open it, you can see the sketch. hmm Yeah. That nose, the it's lips. It's really yeah. good. The yeah. eyebrows. Really good. And also Maybe if the you, best one I've ever seen, yeah. to be honest. Mm, the and leprechaun. You, oh yeah. If you compare the sketch to a different photo of him that was t- closer to the time, it's like even more spot on. Like the mm-hmm. one with him in the beret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His eyebrows yeah. are a bit thicker and his, mm-hmm. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it just looks exactly like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good on you, sketch artist um, and survivor. The local community was obviously jittery and rumors spread that either there was a serial rapist on the loose, not that there had been other reported attacks, but this one was so violent that, you know, how could this not be just like like a maniac on the loose? Yes. Like a pattern. Yes. Because usually rapes are someone you know. Most of the time. Not all. But this this is like a... Violent stranger rape, which this does is some happen. fucking like uh, Golden State Killer, like random scary yeah. shit. Like yeah. no amount of security caution mm-hmm. on a potential victim's part would stop this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was just hiding in the woods near with a high fucking school. ski mask by a high school—it's shocking to me that this is the only rape that was reported by him with this this behavior is so fucking creepy. I, 
I agree. It is shocking that this is the only one that we know of in at this time. Obviously, right, because he was then arrested this, years later for the sexual assault. Sure. But something this violent seems like it would have steps of escalation. Right. Exactly. And maybe it did and people right. chose not to report or a thousand percent possible. You know. Or maybe I don't know. Like who knows? Wild speculation. Mm-hmm. But obviously this attack is causing a stir. And there were even accusations that the attacker was a fellow high schooler and member of the football team. Mm. So like a fellow high schooler with who attended school with the victim, but these were just rumors. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not true now that we know in hindsight, but people were trying to make sense right. of this at the time. And like we said, most rapes occur yep. between people that know each other. Right. Also, I think these rumors were in part fueled by the fact, very understandably, that the victim didn't return to school mm-hmm. after her recovery, mm. um, as far as I know. So people I might wouldn't. Have, no, yeah. that's a lot of trauma to unpack. Oh, too much. Yeah, for sure. But no one matched the forensic evidence that the police had on hand. So no mm-hmm. arrests were made, and the case went cold. Ugh. Still, it seems to have haunted local investigators. And this quote is a little bit odd. It's from one of the lead investigators, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt because he, I don't think he, I think he misspoke a little bit, but the sentiment is there. He said, quote, it's one of those cases that I knew we had to find some type of resolve. I mean, it was that bad. Yeah, because that kind of gives the yeah. implication that other ones aren't so bad and don't right. need any kind of resolution, <laughs> sir. I'm going to get, sir, your pants. Your pants. How about all of them? Yeah, all sir, of them. Sir, your are, empathy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you you left your empathy. I Let's give him the benefit of the doubt sure. and, and think say that he misspoke, but that is well, very. I mean, we were kind of just saying along the lines of uh, the same, a similar sentiment, like, it was really fucking gruesome. Mm-hmm. And it was so, it was such a spurt of violence. Like, I think. Yeah. I would That's what he was trying to convey, I would say. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And then one seemingly random day, five years later, mm-hmm. Harris County investigators got a phone call from the U.S. Army's Criminal Investigation Laboratory saying that in the course of their own separate investigation, they'd mm-hmm. found uh, this murder. This match. Not murder, yep. sexual oh. assault. Assault, yes. Okay. Yeah. But just like Cold case, whatever, and then you just get a phone call. You just mm-hmm. get a match. I love that. Mm-hmm. You might be thinking like, well, he had already joined the Army yeah. in 2016. Why wasn't his DNA, like why didn't the ping happen in 2016 instead of 2018? But while everybody who enlists in the military must provide a DNA sample when they enlist, actually kind of for a dark reason of if something were to happen to them, then they can identify their remains. Mm -hmm. Um, These are not entered into CODIS, the national database, unless that person is suspected of a specific crime, Mm -hmm. which is to protect their privacy and unlawful search and seizure and whatever. Isn't CODIS, CODIS is specifically for people who have been arrested. Yes, I believe so. But you can also elect, like when you get, a, say you do DNA through like 23andMe, 
Mm-hmm. You can choose to have that information shared so that if you, it's sort of like with the Golden State Killer, they found him through like a right. relative's DNA. Right, but that is different than CODIS. Yeah, that's not the same as CODIS. Oh, okay. But I you it was can't, the same yeah, but you're right that you can elect to let law enforcement access that mm-hmm. if they want to, but it is a different database, I believe. So CODIS is, uh, it's just combined DNA index system. It's not, it doesn't say, oh, I think it is for forensic purposes, so for mm-hmm. criminal purposes. I think so, too. We should probably do our own episode on it. Yes. So, wouldn't you just know it, Goss's father owns property near the scene of the 2013 crime, mm-hmm. and a family member was living at that property at the time, mm-hmm. so he could have been visiting. Yep. And Levi himself, who was 19 during... The 2013 crime was attending school about an hour and 45 minutes away. Mm-hmm. Goss was initially held at the Cumberland County, North Carolina jail on $1 million bond before being extradited back to Texas to face charges of aggravated kid- kidnapping and aggravated sexual assault of a child. Wow. The child. Mm hmm. And that's that's the information that I have. I couldn't find any news articles about this case later than April 2018. Wow. So I don't know if there's been a trial or if he's pled guilty, mm-hmm. but I imagine that he is 1,000% still behind bars today. Mm-hmm. And Sergeant Rus- Russell Gonzalez of the Harris County Sheriff's Department Child Abuse Unit said, quote, and here we are today to put this monster behind bars where he belongs. So they have DNA, they have the eyewitness attack, they have other witnesses, they have means, yep. opportunity, like he he's fucking gone. Ugh. And the victim who still lives with the lingering trauma of her vicious attack yeah. told authorities at the time of his arrest that she was very excited to see justice done in her case. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. Dang. And Poor so girl. that that is my case, which again was a fan pick. Mm-hmm. So blame yes. vitamins. It's super dark. <laughs> it Th- was dark. Fans, do you know that you can pick not dark cases? Did you know no. that? No. They love it. They love they, it from you, especially. They really I do. know. Yeah. But anyway, it's 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 fucking amazing that he was caught. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is why, obviously, we don't know much about the sexual assault case in 2017 right. that led to his arrest. But even if, if you're a victim, if you've been attacked and you think, oh, well, who's going to believe me? Or there's not enough evidence to prosecute this person anyway or whatever. If you can, reporting is so important because you can catch someone for something else where there is enough evidence to mm-hmm. put them away. And and you know what I mean? Like establish the sort of pattern worth. possibly. Right. It's always worth reporting. And again, it's not easy to do. And I understand no. if people don't want to. I totally and, do. But you know, you can also reach out to advocacy groups like Rain, which is national, yeah. and they will help you with that process so you don't have to do it all alone because it is so hard right. to report. Assault, especially like Kenyon mentioned, sort of living in a culture where these cases are often not brought to justice and taken very seriously. So I can we can understand why you wouldn't want to put yourself through, you know, experiencing more trauma. Right. 
Um, but there's help out there and we do have, mm-hmm. I believe we have rain contact info on our resources page too. We do. So yeah, for sure. And other, I also other, think other resources as well. That a lot of times like people who are raped, sexually assaulted, kind of women in particular have a way of like, well, it was like, could have been my fault. I could have been sending mixed signals. It was like kind of rape light. Right. You know? But if something happened that should not have happened, as as is demonstrated in this case and probably many others, probably not the first time mm-hmm. right, that the, the, this person has done this. Right. So, or if it's the first time, it's it, it probably won't be the last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's Hold never easy to report. But if if you if the thing holding you back from reporting is thinking that there wouldn't be enough evidence in your case anyway, don't mm-hmm. let that stop you because mm-hmm. You could be the last straw in a long line of things and actually, you know, do get justice for other victims and get someone violent and unsafe off the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All well, right. nice job. That said, should we take a mental health <laughs> sponsor break? Let's. Can we have another 24-hour break before we yeah. this segment? <laughs> yeah, mine's also pretty dark. So, like probably everybody else, I've pretty much settled into this new normal of being home all the time. It's also my preferred state. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So, like, twist my arm. I guess I'll never leave the house again. Mm -hmm. And the trade-offs to working remote aren't so bad, but my office mates are stinkier than other office mates I've had to share a workspace with. And Hmm. aside from my husband... I'm talking about my two cats. Yep. And uh, being at home all the time kind of makes you acutely aware of, like, I don't know, the smells in your house or, like, the habits of your cats. hmm So we may be stuck together, but at least my office mates don't smell anymore thanks to Pretty Litter. I cannot express to you how much this has changed the whole litter box game. hmm So... Clearly, my home is more than just a resting place these days, so it does need to stay clean. It is a big factor of my own personal mental health. Pretty Litter keeps my home smelling fresh because its ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. That is no joke. It, I, don't, I don't know scientifically how it works, but the two litter boxes that I keep in my basement in my laundry room... Mm-hmm. Before, I used to dread doing laundry or even going down there because it's like, ugh, it stinks. And it just reminds me that I need to, like, yeah. dump the whole thing out and, like, hose it out and all that stuff. Bad Can't vibes. smell it. It's, it is as if I don't have cats anymore. It is wild. Mm-hmm. And litter box cleanup is easier with pretty litter also. It lasts up to a month and doesn't require frequent scooping or refilling. So I will scoop it, like, once a week. And then I have litter box liners underneath so I can just take it all out, throw it away, put in a new thing of Pretty Litter, and I'm good to go. That's amazing. It is wild. So Pretty Litter is safe for your cat and friendly for the whole household. Many conventional litters contain irritants that can aggravate allergies and asthma, but Pretty Litter's super light crystal base minimizes mess and dust so you can breathe easy. Probably your cats are breathing easier too. I've noticed that my cats are vomiting less going Mm. to the bathroom outside of their litter box less. Mm. Like, it has changed the game. And 
It also changes colors to help detect early signs of potential illness, including UTIs and kidney issues, which if you know cats at all, they're not just going to jump up to you and be like, mom, yeah. my my bladder hurts. Yeah, they hide <laughs> like, it when they're hurt. They're, they're masters of hiding it. Mm-hmm. And Pretty Litter arrives safely at my door in a small lightweight bag. So again, no pants required. Don't have to leave your house. Shipping is free. I never have to worry about running out. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, it's mindless. It is It has changed the game. I love Pretty Litter. Mm-hmm. So do what Lucy did and make the switch to Pretty Litter today by visiting prettylitter.com and use promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com, promo code GALS, for 20% off. prettylitter.com, promo code GALS. Treat your kitties. Treat Alma. On August 17th, 2007, the family of Kamisha Block got some of the worst news that they have ever received. Their beloved daughter and sister Kamisha had been serving in the U.S. military in Iraq when the family was alerted that she was shot and killed during her service there. The Department of Defense cited her cause of death as a gunshot wound to the chest by, quote, friendly fire, which essentially means accidentally shooting one of your own in the confusion of a shootout. Which does happen, but oh yeah, it absolutely. I mean, could it also be does. a convenient excuse to not do a proper investigation, which oh, is what I'm assuming yeah. this case is going to be about. Hard yes. Mm-hmm. So the family accepted this tragedy and waited for Kamisha to be returned home for her burial. When her body arrived, however, the family got an absolute shock. Opening the casket to pay their last respects, they discovered that Kamisha certainly had sustained gunfire. Five shots, to be exact, with one to her head. Which they had not been informed about. Nope. So her sister, Shanta, immediately questioned the validity of the DOD's claims and began the grueling quest for truth and justice. Another sister saving the day. Yep, Mm -hmm. exactly. Also, in a friendly fire situation, like... One one stray gunshot, one stray bullet is very different than five mm-hmm. five including directly one to the head to yeah. the chest and one in the head yeah that's yeah because i mean even just like the f- f- you know physical logistics you're sh- shot while out in combat right probably going to go down right and those shots are probably not going to be consistent all in the same area from the same right you know ballistics standing point right it's just, it, this was not adding up. And clearly, it did not take an expert to just open this casket and go, no. Right. What you told me is not consistent from what I'm looking at right now. Right. And yeah. fucking explain. How yep. did my sister die? Exactly. Yeah. So in order to get the truth of Kamisha's death, we need to rewind a little bit and look into her military career. So she enlisted in the Army in July of 2005. She's like She's basically our age, right after graduating high school. Mm-hmm. Being a Texas native, Fort Hood was the most logical place to send her for training, and she arrived there in December of 2006. While at Fort Hood, a relationship blossomed between Kamisha, who was a specialist, and Staff Sergeant Paul Brandon Norris, who went by Brandon. Because of his higher rank, their relationship was forbidden and they kept it a secret, but it certainly Mm -hmm. did not go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. A soldier in the same training group, as Kamisha said in an interview, quote, it was obvious that they were in a relationship when they were stateside. He was my squad leader. It was obvious to me. It was obvious to the other team leaders. 
But despite reports and interventions from the top, the relationship continued. A report emerged during investigation of a uh, during all of this investigation of a conversation between Brandon and his superior, whose name has been redacted. The superior informed Brandon, quote, it has been brought to my attention that you and Specialist Block have been seen by senior leaders in the company late at night talking alone, um, Mm -hmm. wrote the platoon sergeant again, whose name was redacted from the report. Staff sergeants don't hang out with specialists. The perception is that you are having an inappropriate relationship with her. You're a non-commissioned officer. You know as well as I do that perception is reality. And if it is perceived that you and specialist block are having an inappropriate relationship, then you are, period. Oh, that's that. I like that. Basically, like, look, I don't want to hear your fucking excuses. I don't Mm want to hear denials. Mm -hmm. It's been perceived. Therefore... It exists. There's an it's issue. Reality. Therefore, yeah. clear it up. Yeah. And and that sounds great. Like that's a, that I, I mean, that's the direction that superior should be going. Mm-hmm. But unfortunate it unfortunately it seems to have begun and ended with that conversation. Mm-hmm. Like any kind of oversight, any kind of follow-up. So somebody was more covering their ass than yep. actually taking care of it. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So in May of 2007, Kamisha was deployed to begin her service in Iraq at Camp Liberty, which is like especially it's like very much part of at the time some very violent unrest in that area. So it's a it's a particularly dangerous place to be deployed to. Mm-hmm. Thinking this would be the end of be the end of the relationship uh, would be wrong, as Brandon made his way there a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Within months of her deployment, her communications home began to take an alarming turn. Her sister Shanta recalls getting a phone call in which she was explicitly told, quote, if something were to happen to me, you make sure that you take care of mom because you are the strong one. Now, of course, this could have been because they're in this dangerous place, right. the stress of serving in this hostile environment. 2007 was a war. very rough time to be exactly. employed. But other soldiers working alongside Kamisha and Brandon noticed that the hostility appeared to be mostly between the two of them. So this is from 12newsnow.com. Quote, one month before Kamisha's death, a fellow soldier said he spoke up. I am not very good at keeping my mouth shut. Preach. That's when I went to the chain of command. I used the open door policy and spoke to the first sergeant and the company commander at the time. This this officer Hastings said, this soldier. Um, when, 12, uh, when 12 News asked Hastings if action was taking, he said, yeah, there was action to sweep it under the rug. Mm. They just kind of blew everything off and explained to them that they, had no, that they had a no contact order. It obviously wasn't working. No contact order between those Block two, Amisha and Brandon. And Brandon. Yeah, right. correct. Right. And the, this person is like, great, they're violating that. Yep. I'm bringing this to your it. attention. And now there's a history because the, mm-hmm. the initial conversation happened at Fort Hood mm-hmm. and then they were deployed. Their relationship continued. And now more people are speaking out about this mm-hmm. because clearly the relationship is not it, it's it's not good. It's volatile at best. Right. And um, they're fucking in a war zone. Like exactly. imagine imagine how inappropriate that relationship is. Uh, just at a training base, mm-hmm. just stateside. And mm-hmm. then imagine just the implications of that in a fucking active war zone. Right. Mm-hmm. Not so good. Hastings wasn't the only one to come forward. Others described an increasingly toxic relationship. They questioned Brandon's stability, like the psychological stability. Um, and Shanta believes military leaders knew that Kamisha was in danger and did not take action. 
Do we know anything about this Brandon guy other than like his rank and the fact that he? Not really. Not in terms come of off like great. his history. So he wasn't. We he wasn't like married, or we don't know that Mm-mm. or anything. No, he wasn't married. Mm-hmm. So this is from Maxim. Quote, on July 23rd, a senior officer confronted Brandon Norris, who flatly denied dating Kamisha. That same day, a platoon sergeant sat down with Norris to discuss the inappropriate relationship and the allegation from senior leaders that he was showing Kamisha preferential treatment. In that meeting, the counselor who observed that staff sergeants don't hang out with specialists issued a stern warning. This relationship must stop immediately. Specialist block will be reassigned to first squad. And if you have any business that needs to deal with specialist block, you will use the chain of command or the NCO, which is the non-commissioned officer support channel. Yeah. Norris so just like fucking distance. no contact or correct. Mm-hmm. Norris now knew the stakes of continuing his pursuit of Kamisha Block. He could be booted from the army that he loved and earn an under uh, an under other than honorable conditions discharge, which could mm-hmm. cost him benefits and eligibility for the GI Bill. So, like, a lot is on the line here, dude. Yeah. Leave her the sure. fuck alone. Yeah. Get your shit together. Yeah. It's not worth it. It's not. Then on August 16th, 2007, after many reports of Brandon's escalating behavior and even one physical altercation with one of his own superiors who had to hold him back and urged him to settle down, Brandon entered Kamisha's barracks and ordered her roommate, Danielle Jennings, to leave the room. Danielle complied, but didn't go far and ran back inside when she heard several gunshots. There she found Kamisha, presumably already dead, lying on the floor, and Brandon now pointing his gun at her, at Danielle, um, and basically being like, what the fuck are you doing here? But instead of shooting Danielle, he lifted the gun to his own head and took his own life. Oh, no. Jesus. So So he really, oh. He was deep in it, in some rough stuff. So the medic at, at the camp tried to revive them, but obviously... Could not. The same day, Kamisha Block's photo was added to the memorial wall on base and no mention of a murder-suicide was made by the folks in charge. So they immediately tried to spin it as a casualty of combat and yeah. move on. Like, that's Friendly what goes fire. on those memorials. Like, like I guess technically... Technically like she it wasn't, was. Yeah, she wasn't murdered by... Uh, the an, en- enemy, an enemy combatant. combatant. Yeah. But still, this she is not... She wasn't in an active combat no, situation. No, she was murdered. She was, was in a mur- It was a murder-suicide. Oh, yeah. my God. And yep. there are clearly at least one direct witness. witness, Danielle. Yep. Yeah. And they honestly were just like, oh, friendly fire. Yeah. Move along. Nothing to see here. Wow. So how, did, yes. so how do we even have this information? Like, how did they not cover all of it up? We'll get fi- to it. Oh, okay. So according to Shanta, the folks in charge knew Brandon was volatile and knew that there were issues in his relationship with Kamisha. Um, She states in an interview, quote, Brandon had shot her five times and then he shot her in the head. He shot her in every main organ. And then, you know, he put the gun to his head. And the thing that I don't understand, the command knew about it. Brandon was going crazy. Her words, not mine. And they knew about it. He needed help also. So I feel as though two people died under their command. Yes, they did. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. So within days of laying uh, Kamisha to rest, her family began to investigate the truth behind her death themselves. Because, again, they see they get her body back. They see that these wounds are not consistent with the story that they've been told. Mm -hmm. So first they reach out to a Texas National Guard master sergeant who had been assigned to assist the family with Kamisha's funeral arrangements. I guess this is very common. So in a conversation with 
uh, Jane Block, who is Kamisha's mother, the sergeant asked, quote, do you want me to find out for you? Do you really want to know? And she returned later with information from the army that stated Kamisha was shot five times by fellow soldier Brandon Paul. Knowing this was not the full story, Jane demanded to know the soldier's full name. And it turns out she'd met Brandon Norris. They called him Brandon Paul. They didn't give her the last name. Yeah, she had so met again Brandon. covering it up. And, and because oh, she yeah. knew Brandon, she was but like... She knew him. They'd had... So while after like Kamusha and Brandon started dating on the base, I guess they all had dinner together, like with the family. Mm-hmm. So when Jane demanded to know the soldier's full name, that's she put the pieces together because she'd met Brandon Norris previously and had been aware of the of the relationship. And Kamisha had already disclosed that relationship to her sister Shanta as well. And so they were trying to get away. Were they trying to make it seem like Paul was his last name? I think so. Why else would they call him Brandon Paul and not? Yeah, and he's his name is Paul Brandon Norris, and he just went by Brandon. So yeah, Brandon's his not even name his first Paul. name. It's his middle name. Uh, That's so they're giving so like fucked. these weird partial truths. Uh, thinking that of- this family is not going to continue to do everything they possibly yeah. fucking can to figure out what happened to their child. Right. Like they think, think they they're stupid him. or something. Like right. they probably had a inclination whether from meeting him right. or from right. what Kamisha was telling them that he was not right, good and, and news. Kamisha had been kind of opening up to her sister Shanta about the relationship and how it wasn't good. So basically, once they had this information, they knew that this was not an incident of friendly fire. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way. Mm-hmm. So it took, from there, it took nearly a year for the Block family to receive any kind of report of the incident. They stayed quiet the entire time as they awaited the results. They didn't have, they felt like they didn't have enough to go to the press. So they really wanted to get more information mm-hmm. before they went public with the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kamisha's mother, Jane, said, quote, it drove us crazy. When we talked to one person, they'd tell us something. And then we talked to another and they'd tell us something else. And then we get the report and half of it is blacked out. So it's, it's mostly redacted. It's not day class A. It's class no, A. it's class A. Um, she Ugh. says, I was very angry about that. So the family continued to push and were finally able to take this story to the press when the report was released to the public in 2008. So that redacted report was sent to them and also available to the public mm-hmm. at that point. So again, this is from Maxim. The contents of the Army's investigative report pertaining to Kamisha Block's death have never been publicly revealed until now. Issued by the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command, the report was FedExed to the Block uh, home in Vinder in February of 2008. The names and ranks of witnesses and CID agents are all redacted, and some investigative files have been inexplicably withheld, including the results of a toxicology screen conducted on Brandon Norris's body. So they don't, they weren't told if he was under the influence of anything at the time, Mm. you know, anything. The Army's report does not draw any conclusions about Kamisha's murder, though it does shed some light on what may have sent Norris over the edge. In 2007, he told a family member that he hadn't slept more than two hours a night in over a year. Oh, Investigators, God. So, yeah, he's got insomnia and some severe... He's in severe mental health crisis. Yeah. And also, all, all I mean, this. just in the course of being deployed, mm-hmm. your sleep is not 
considered no. a priority and a lot of missions require, you know, you'll yep. be out on a mission for three days straight and basically not sleeping. You and sleep then, in shifts, in yeah. like little napping shifts. Right. Yeah. It's not It's not like he just had insomnia. His nope. whole existence and the way the army treats people mm-hmm. can contribute to that and certainly won't fucking help it. Nope. And, and uh, lacking sleep. That severely is so it's bad. Completely bad. caused psychosis. Yeah. It absolutely does. And to make matters worse, investigators found what appeared to be anabolic steroids in his footlocker, which may also explain his mood swings. Mm-hmm. Also in the footlocker were mementos of the affair he was having with Kamisha, including a five-page letter from Norris to Kamisha in the event that he was killed in combat. Oh, God. The letter paints a portrait of a man home, uh, hopelessly and obsessively in love, But beyond these clues, the interviews conducted by the Army Criminal Investigation Division in Iraq and Texas and Alabama and elsewhere seemed to the blocks to be cursory and half-hearted. Many of the witnesses claimed they never knew of an affair, which is obviously not true because a ton of people came forward. So, like, I didn't know they were having an affair. I stuck my head in the sand. Right. Yeah. I turned the other way. Mm Mm-hmm. So the army was more worried. uh, This is Jane Block again. The army was more worried about the romantic relationship than what they were going to do about Norris, like about his psychological issues. Yeah. All questions were about the relationship, not about how he was hurting Kamisha mentally and physically, and certainly not about how he was doing. Doing. Right. And there's such a stigma to getting help. Mm hmm. And also. I mean, at the time, I guess. When was the surge? I feel like it was around this time. Mm -hmm. I think it was. Yeah. So there was such a stigma to getting mental health treatment Mm -hmm. for folks who are deployed. And then there were also kind of bureaucratic hurdles put in place to accessing that treatment while deployed because it was Mm -hmm. like, look, we need need everyone we can. And are you just trying to weasel out of work and Mm -hmm. weasel out of being deployed and uh, and amongst an already existing social structure of mental health not being treated the same way as physical health and it's like a you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps and like be strong and get over it be a man right Right. and And also coupled with the machismo of the army in the military in general Mm -hmm. right it's like it's just a perfect storm of bullshit and also not knowing Not knowing when you can go home. It's not Mm -hmm. like, sure, you can like maybe have your leave scheduled, but like anything can happen. They can change that at any time. And also people were getting stop gapped and had to, Mm -hmm. had to, you know, their deployments were almost twice as long as originally Mm -hmm. scheduled. Like it was, it's just, it's a particularly atrocious time Mm -hmm. to have been deployed and, and you just have nothing to like anchor you, right? I can't imagine that. It's be it'd be nightmare. it'd be horrible on your mental health in the best of circumstances. Yeah. It really would, right? But uh, the the issue here too is that the warning signs were there consistently, and treatment was not offered, mm-hmm. and he really should not have had access to a firearm. No, like Which when is you're entirely his job. So like. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, it's just rough. So the family continues to fight for transparency and accountability today with some congressional support, though nothing in terms of responsibility has been taken on the part of the Army at this point. So this case was reopened in 2019. So, yeah, 12 fucking years later. 
um, where oh new witnesses and testimony could play a huge part in getting justice and to confront the competency of the command in charge leading up to this murder. So lifelong friend and fellow Army specialist Amanda Simmons stated, quote, it should be open to a new case into the negligence of those high-ranking officials. There are policies, procedures, and laws when it comes to mental health. If Norris is crying out for help, he should have never been carrying a firearm. There you go. Mm-hmm. They should have taken his firearm and kept him at his office. Like, they could have put him on desk duty, at least temporarily, mm-hmm. while they figure something out. Mm-hmm. But, alas, this accountability was not received. The investigation was closed once again in June of 2020 with the army, quote, determining there was no credibility to allegations that records were destroyed in the wake of her killing at the hands of a fellow soldier. So I guess that came up in the investigation Mm -hmm. and part of like everything being those things that were inexplicably missing. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it was alleged that they Mm -hmm. had been intentionally removed, Mm -hmm. um, that there's no credibility to reports of misconduct and that a new investigation did not find anything different from the original report of murder-suicide, which, like, That wasn't you. the initial yeah, original they, report. <laughs> I guess in their internal report, right. they wrote it down that way, but that's not what they told the public. Right. So, there, again, that mission for some sort of transparency and accountability, right. it's just bullshit. Because yeah, also, maybe, like, the murder-suicide element is not being questioned no. now that we have all the information. That's Absolutely not the not. part that's being questioned. The part that's being questioned is who bears the responsibility right. for this situation. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, because there's clearly more responsibility to dole out outside of just Brandon Norris having a a, a psychotic break of some kind. Right. So, you know, like Kenyon, I think you folks mentioned earlier, like this is just another reason the system cannot evaluate and police itself mm-hmm. because by its very nature of self-preservation, it will never hold itself accountable. Mm-hmm. It's and it's just it's so tragic its for these families. Are oppositely aligned. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. To investigating and getting at the truth. And mm-hmm. so that just cannot be any time that that is the case. That's why, like, internal investigations, like, I know technically, you know, there are, like, different bureaus and whatever, but if there isn't enough of a separation, yep, then it's it's not going to work. No. It, it, it can't. Yeah. And that is my case. Well, <laughs> uh, just Thanks, from Jess. start to finish, this episode yep. has just been... Cheery and magical, great. relaxing. Yeah. Well, I don't know what else we would have expected from military murderers. Murderers. Yeah, that's true. Mine was an as dark as it was, one of the darker cases, attempted murder. I'm conducting an internal investigation of Wine and Crime podcast right now, and I find no responsibility on us for for how dark. No misconduct. No No conflicts of interest here. No conflicts of interest. None. Yeah. We're None. we're clear of any responsibility for how dark this episode was. I am going to go Hands drink clean. way more wine. And also, yep. as we record this, it is October 6th, and I made the fatal mistake of already buying all my Halloween candy. Oh, why would you do that? You got to buy a little bit at a time because yep. you're going to go through it yourself. Oh, yeah. I cracked open the bag. I've only had one piece so far, but the bag is open now. But it's Pandora's box. I have a piece right fucking here. (laughs) I have a Reese's in the other room. So let's thank Jess Stewart for this amazing fan pick. Jess, thank you, Jess. And we're sorry. Yeah, please stay safe and 
Yeah. God bless we'll the vitamins s- unless we'll they're horrible you. murderers. Right. God bless most of the vitamins. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> And we'll see you next week after we recover. See you then. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Do you enjoy the strange, bizarre, and unknown? Bigfoot, ghosts, and aliens? I'm Erica. And I'm Liana, and we're the Night Guys Podcast. That's Night, G-E-I-S-T, one word, think poltergeist. We bring you the lighter side of horror weekly by asking the questions no one else asks, like, is Mothman just lonely? Do aliens run if you throw rocks at them? Is Bigfoot just a small guy with oddly large feet? Can you actually befriend a ghost? We cover it all, including weekly weird news. We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. You can also find us on Patreon for additional content. We are Nightgeist. We'll pour a glass of wine and wait for you. Cheers! Cheers.